take our Bibles and open them to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23, we'll read a section of this chapter, Leviticus chapter 23 beginning at verse 15. Context: the, the Lord is setting before the people uh, the manner of the gifts that he's to, that they are to bring to him as they gather uh, before the Lord in holy convocation. And at verse 15 we read, And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days. Uh, to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves, two tenths of an, an, an ephah. They shall be of fine flour, they shall be baked with leaven, they are the first fruits to the Lord. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull, two rams, they shall be as a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering and two, lamb, two male lambs of the first year as a sacrifice of a peace offering. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall proclaim on that same day that it is a holy convocation to you. You shall do no customary work on it. It shall be as a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field. When you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest, you shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. And then we turn in the second place to the book of Acts. Turn to that familiar section in the second chapter, which records the sending of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues such as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 
And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And then just the opening words once again of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. May the Lord so bless the public reading of his word, that in the hearing we may also be strengthened in faith and faithfulness. We remember that while... The grass fades and the flowers wither. The word of our Lord endures forever. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In a certain respect, today we celebrate an anniversary. And we recognize anniversaries to be milestones. In your bulletin, you record anniversaries. And one of the families, husband and wife here, celebrates an anniversary also on this day. There was a celebration of 50 years not too long ago, also within the congregation. And then you mark birthdays, and those birthdays, with several today, uh, also are a type of anniversary, the anniversary of our coming into this world. Anniversaries are milestones. They, they mark turning points in our lives. They're occasions to reflect on what we have experienced in days gone by. What husband and what wife can say that they're the same person that they were on their wedding day? Matrimony changes people and one's anniversary marks the date that that change began. And whether we have been married uh, but a few years... May 28, 2011, or a few more years, or 50 years, there is an opportunity for pondering the Lord's dealings in our lives. And most often when we think of anniversaries, we, we, we think of then the, the pathway that the Lord has taken us, in the case of marriage and the comings and goings, since the wedding day. 
But anniversaries are also remembered with respect to the homes we live in, our work situations, how, how long certain businesses have been operating, the establishment of Christian schools. Not too long, the, the congregation here, the Owen Sound Canadian Reformed Church, will, will celebrate, I believe it's the 31st anniversary, and if I remember correctly, in early July. But the anniversary of the congregation is an anniversary with a much longer history, and we need to understand that one major point along the way in our history is Pentecost. Pentecost. Certainly the church has existed from the beginning of time and was in God's mind and plan even before the creation of the world, but it is uh, Pentecost where the New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ takes her shape and figure. And we draw our line as a congregation back to Pentecost. Today we acknowledge that great event in salvation history and we may do so by speaking of the anniversary of the church as the Holy Spirit descended to guide and direct what Jesus began in his public ministry. And with joy we may again remember and believe the, the sending of the Holy Spirit in order that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ may be formed and fashioned. We're all a work in progress for her task in the New Testament era. And as we think of this great moment that bears application to our life together as brothers and sisters, we we want to, to speak for a few moments, listen together regarding the harvest fruits. The sending of the Holy Spirit testifies to the harvest of first fruits. And then we also recognize that the sending of the Holy Spirit is marked by a holy convocation, a holy convocation, and we must say all of this is an affirmation of amazing grace. The anniversary of the church has a long history and deep roots. And to understand those roots, we have to go back to the Old Testament and to our Old Testament scripture lesson, which bears witness to the moment of Acts 2. Pentecost was the Feast of Harvest. We might say in a certain sense it, it's similar to our Thanksgiving Day, a special day. Every day is Thanksgiving, of course, but a special day when we mark the giving of thanks. Fifty days. That's where we get our word penta. Fifty days after the harvest of the early spring grains and the blessing of the Lord and the bounty of his provision that had to be acknowledged. It was a festival of joy. Mandatory and voluntary offerings were brought before the Lord. When you gave of your gifts earlier in the service, it was not just simply a matter of, of dropping your offering into an offering bag, but it was a, a gift returned to the Lord. The purpose of the festival was to show uh, open thanksgiving for the Lord's blessings. 
And now with uh, the Pentecost of Acts chapter 2, there's another celebration of harvest, a harvest of souls, a harvest of redeemed lives. On that first Pentecost day, 3,000 represented the first fruits of redemption paid for in the crucifixion of Christ. This morning we may be gathered with thankful praise and the conviction that we might be part of, think of it congregation, just think for a moment, that we may be part of that great harvest gathering. We are reminded of uh, what we confess with question and answer 54 with respect to the Holy Catholic Christian Church and with joy we declare that we believe We believe that the Son of God out of the whole human race from the beginning of the world to its end gathers, defends, preserves for himself by his spirit and word in the unity of true faith, a church chosen to everlasting life. And then the believer goes on to say, I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member, a living member of it. Think again of that first Pentecost day in the New Testament era. The disciples are gathered together, a group of 120. They are awaiting, as they have been told, as they have been commanded, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, What happened? The disciples went out to the streets and they preached. They preached that the coming of the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel given to all to call men and women to Christ and salvation. Peter then uh, preached Jesus, concluding his sermon, saying, Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And then we are told the Holy Scriptures tell us that immediately when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And when Peter answered their question, Repent and believe, 3,000 believed and were baptized. This was remarkable. It just must be, in a sense, in our hearts, wow, what what a day that was. An incredible response, but it was not due to Peter's, as it were, brilliant analysis of the gospel or to his eloquence. We might say if he had preached this same sermon the day before, one would wonder if anything would have happened, if anyone would have believed. He and the others would have been laughed at. You remember, the, these, these early disciples, the 120, were, were gathered in a certain sense of fear. But then as the, the Holy Spirit came on that Pentecost day, there was courage, there was conviction, and people were convicted of their sin, and, and that's why they were cut with, to the heart and asked, what shall we do? 
And as faith was born in their hearts, repentance followed. They wanted freedom for the sin that they suddenly saw in their lives. And then we say, oh, what a blessed harvest. A blessed harvest, not only in, in, in terms of the number who came to faith, but in terms of those who came, what came to those who, who received the working of the Holy Spirit. They received the life given by the Holy Spirit, the life of Jesus Christ. And that life is, is to be lived also amongst us. It's to be celebrated also amongst us. The, the Holy Spirit calls the Heavenly Father's children to, to, to be Christ-like. The Holy Spirit calls us to live for the Lord. The Lord to be first in our lives. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that begins on the Lord's Day. The Feast of Weeks, as we read it from our Old Testament scripture lesson, was marked by a holy convocation. A convocation is simply a people gathered together to mark an event. In the universities that are dotted across the country, they begin their school calendar year with what they call a convocation and... and uh, the professors all march in and students march in and they have a ceremony of, of, of some pomp and uh, someone within uh, the academic world uh, may receive uh, uh, an added degree or give a, a special speech. And most often at these celebrations, uh, man's accomplishments are trumpeted and, and God is not even mentioned. We are here this morning in a holy convocation, and God is God, and He is to be served. The people who gathered to celebrate God's goodness to them some 50 days after the barley harvest had begun by coming together together celebrating God's goodness, his mercy, his providence. And they did so with worship, with the bringing of sacrifices which were designed to be a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Very particular instructions were given to the people. Worship is never to be haphazard. Their offerings were to be the first fruits, not the leftovers. No customary work was to be performed. The people were reminded of their diaconal task and leaving the, the corners of their fields so that the poor might glean and thereby not grow hungry. And now we fast forward again to the first Pentecost. It's the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. Uh, one of the hymns speaks of a triple light, uh, light given on the first day of creation, Christ uh, arising on the first day and now Pentecost on the first day. Uh, once again, the people are convocated together, and in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, there's a great movement in speaking of the great things of God in the languages of the people. And these languages were not gibberish. 
but they were clear languages that were understood. The people heard the gospel explained to them in their own language. People understood what was being spoken of and, and the preaching of the word as Peter delivers this Pentecost sermon. It was an understandable word that cut to the heart. Brothers and sisters, every time we gather for worship, we convocate together. And on the first day of the week, we do not simply come to church. We come to church gathering together to worship. To worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, we come to declare before a watching world that God is great and greatly to be praised. We, we come before for God's presence in his sanctuary here on, on holy ground. To honor our triune God. We come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to show our admiration and our adoration of our Redeemer and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we come under the leading of the Holy Spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit. We come as the Father's children, dependent on each and every mercy and how we need those mercies. And we come then to lift up the name of the triune God. We come to hear the spirit-infused God-breathed word. All scripture has been given to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We come to, to bring our prayers before the throne of grace. And we come to bring our praises and song. We, we come to bring our offerings. Lord is very particular in the way we bring our worship but also our offerings. There has to be purpose to our giving. What we give before the Lord, the Lord full well knows. And we may never come to a spot in our lives where we think, well, it's just another offering, another collection. No, these, these are sacred moments. And surely when we come to, to church, we are all busy. All of this coming is made possible by the Holy Spirit. Now, sadly, uh, it is also true, God forbid amongst us, but there are those who come to church who, who really don't know what they're doing when they come. We need to recognize that coming to church doesn't automatically make you a Christian any more than going to a garage automatically makes you a mechanic. We do not, God forbid, attend worship simply under custom and superstition. If that be the case, then we have not been gripped by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the scriptures lay before us is hearts and lives who have indeed been gripped by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then worship in the local congregation is to be regarded as precious. As a gift from the Lord. We never want to miss worship. And when we do, because we are ill, we must miss it. Together we 
celebrate the great work of God and the lives of his people next Lord's Day. It was announced you're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the Holy Spirit will be work, working in your hearts that in this particular celebration you are focusing on what Christ has done to bring us to himself. And in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, as you prepare for that, as you meditate on that, the wonderful calling of praising God for the mediator of the covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father in his love, sending his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And together we, we, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, may look for help and strength from our Heavenly Father. Together we may take comfort in the precious promises of God, the promise of the forgiveness of sin, the promise of God's nearness, the promise of the life to come, the, the promise of Christ's finished work here on earth and his work of preparing a place for the Father's children in heaven above. Together we may be challenged in the demands of the covenant. Yes, it's blessings to be sure, but also demands. Together as we have congregated in the Holy Convocation, the worship service this morning and again this afternoon, we may receive strength and encouragement, perhaps prodding, perhaps some, some uh, word of, of admonition through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit to lead us in the lives God asks us to live according to the most holy faith the call of faithfulness, fruitfulness. And so we thank the Lord for Pentecost power. And when we do so in the spirit and in truth, we may say that we are a true Pentecostal people. When we preach the gospel, when we receive the gospel, when we uphold the gospel, when we live the gospel, when we trust the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we have all that we ever need. There's been much uh, controversy in the churches in terms of what belongs in worship and not, and You've heard in the past of worship wars and so forth. But when we celebrate God's power and the covenantal dialogue that he gives us, we are the contemporary church. And others, there's a few empty benches here this morning. Others must also be called to celebrate the gospel in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we do as the scriptures outline for us, we are contemporary in the true sense of the word. And we need make no apology for seeking to be faithful in a society that, that has no moorings. In a culture that is, uh, as it were, falling apart. And how we must thank the Lord for Pentecost in order that we may be led by the Spirit, that we might walk a life pleasing to the Spirit. 
And thus Pentecost should, should be celebrated as vigorously and in, as enthusiastically as Christmas, as we call it, and, and resurrection, blessing, the reason for the season must always be before us longer than a day. We must not be lulled to sleep even by our own practices to think any less of the great work of God in the sending of the Holy Spirit in giving us Pentecost and giving us this day of celebrating harvest. Harvest for the kingdom of God. And in all of this, this must be to us a demonstration of amazing grace. You know, in our pattern of life together, sometimes we, we, we forget that. This is simply amazing. And we need to understand how amazing it is that, that we are here this morning uh, or rather than in our beds. How amazing it is that, that we're not puttering on our lawns, but we are in the house of the Lord. What privilege is ours, but also responsibility. The grace of, of the Lord gives us such privilege and such responsibility. Oh, the grace of God in, in opening our hearts and lives to, to receive Christ, to receive life, to receive the promise of life, to be set free from the bondage of sins, that our sin would not hold us. We fall often, but we turn to the Lord. And we ask the Lord by the power of his spirit to direct us on that level path, that straight path, that pilgrim path, the narrow road. For some 2,000 years now and more, count them, count them. 2,000 years the church has gathered on the first day of the week to acknowledge the glory and the greatness of God. God in his mercy preserving his church. She may be weak. Uh, she may be fraught with all sorts of shortcomings. And yet God has not let us go. Christ has purchased the church with his own blood and the Holy Spirit by means of the Holy Word continues to point us to our beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, continues to direct us to our covenant Father, continues to call us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. What grace. Undeserved. Pentecost represents God's gracious enabling presence at work amongst his people. Enabling them to witness his grace. Who are we of all people to, to be here? We're we're not any better than those who are puttering on their lawns. By means of, of that grace, we may understand that even now God is working by his word and spirit and working in us and through us. Pentecost power has been given to the church. Pentecost power has been given to the own sound Canadian Reformed Church. A power given to announce the wonder of the incarnation. 
to declare both the horror and the joy of the cross, to bear testimony to the impact of the resurrection, to bear witness to the glories of the ascension as Christ has gone on ahead to prepare a place for a prepared people. You think of that account in the book of John where Jesus announces his departure, perplexing the disciples. And uh, he tells them to be of no fear. He's going, yes, for a particular purpose, to prepare a place for his disciples, for his followers. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, when you think of that, it's a promise that that belongs to all believers. The Lord is preparing a place for us. And when we get a sense of that place, uh, as described in the book of Revelation in different places, you say, wow, what amazing, amazing of grace. We take great joy in the Holy Spirit-inspired promise that Jesus is coming again. And what a glory to know that, that as we're traveling as these uh, pilgrims, we look forward to the great day of days. Perhaps in our lifetime that, that, that great trump will resound. The Lord will descend as he ascended. Oh, what rich people we are to know what the Lord has spoken to us. We do not live in the dark. We live in the light of his word. So many, so many traveling with veiled faces, so many traveling in blindness. Oh, the church has work to do. And it is a work that can only be accomplished through the power of God's grace through the work of the Holy Spirit. Let us be mindful of these things, brothers and sisters. And let us know what it is to praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Amen.